because I understand the value of Patreon. I understand that, you know, want to keep your Patreon peeps happy. Yeah. Welcome to Geeks Without God with Tim Wick, Nick Glover, and Molly Glover. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. This week on Geeks Without God, our guest is Andy Blau, who performs as Zoltan the Adequate. He's here to talk to us about how he became an atheist and a meeting with the amazing Randy. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God. Hello, welcome to Geeks Without God. I'm your host, Tim Wick. I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Nick Glover. Hey, that's me. And Molly Glover. I am Molly Glover. (laughs) You are Molly Glover. And we are joined by a fabulous guest today. His name is Andy. If you uh, go out on the Renaissance Festival circuit, you may have seen him as Zoltan the Adequate. I'm not proud. No, it doesn't sound like it, and that's quite all right. Yeah. If you work on the Renaissance Festival circuit, pride is something that you abandoned long yeah, ago. Yeah, they get that. They get that right out. Like season yeah. one, they get that right out. Yeah, of yeah. yeah. It's it, yep. it's the first three weeks of Academy here in Minnesota. To be totally honest, is, I, uh, I, I had an opportunity to uh, chat with Pendulette some years ago, which is not a big deal. He will literally chat with anybody who meets up with him anytime. Very gregarious fellow. Or online. Um, but I mentioned to him that I worked uh, Renaissance festivals, and he said, "You know that Teller and I started at Renaissance festivals twenty years ago." And I said, "Great! So in twenty years, I'll be a Vegas headliner." And he just laughed and laughed. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, but, how long ago was that? I'm just curious. Yeah, so that was about. Uh, he was in Toronto. I am in Toronto. I am a, I'm a Canadian. Uh, he was in Toronto for a Center for Inquiry event this was just after he had written his second book hmm. uh called every day is an atheist holiday um and uh you know you basically paid uh like 30 dollars or 40 dollars for the ticket which included a book yeah. uh which is a very common thing that authors do these days because yeah. it gets their book sales up yeah. uh, was that before or after he got scary skinny <laughs> uh this was this was before yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he, you can, you know, the scary skinny book is, of course, Presto. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how I made 180 pounds disappear, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and so his, you... typically, typically, his advice for making a lot of weight disappear is start with being extremely overweight. Then, <laughs> that does make it easier. Do you, yeah. uh, Andy? Do you do Renaissance festivals up in Canada? Are there festivals in? It's, is there like a Canadian it, circuit? Isn't it frozen all year round? No, no, no it's not that. I just wonder. We don't. Yeah, we're in Minnesota. Right, we're, exactly. Yeah, we're, we're on basically further, the same We're further latitude. north than half of the major cities in Canada. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's actually so, a very good point. Yeah. Um, so Renaissance Festival didn't really exist in Canada until the Smith family that owns the Maryland Renaissance Festival. Hmm. Incidentally, one of the big festivals that Penn and Teller used to work at. Uh, they saw uh, Canada as a as a great untapped wasteland, uh, and have to have the potential to have Renaissance festivals. So they bought a chunk of land up in Canada, and they came in with the knowledge at that time of like twenty plus years of the Maryland Renaissance Festival, um, and they rebuilt the Maryland Renaissance Festival in a much smaller way in Ontario. And indeed, there were literally buildings that were exactly the same building that they had at the Maryland Festival, because they already sure. had the plans for it. Yeah. They already knew it was a useful building. 
Um, and they brought up a handful of uh, uh, Maryland performers. In fact, uh, that first year at the Ontario Renaissance Festival, uh, Ron and Ricky, uh, the two of the three Tortuga twins, worked uh, that event. Um, and uh, we, most Canadians, we had never seen them, right? Renaissance festivals are part of the American cultural landscape. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can, for me, there is no greater evidence of this than they are referenced on sitcoms. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just a good, even going as far back as, as Cheers. There's an episode of Cheers where they have a mm-hmm. couple of throwaway mentions of Renaissance festivals. So uh, it's part of the cultural landscape. But and I worked back in, oh gosh, I, I want to say like 2001 or so. It was the first year of the Louisiana Renaissance Festival, and people showed up in full costume. Opening day, first day, people were ready to go, what even though it was a brand new fair, because they knew about it. They sure, knew they, they, they know what's going on. Yeah, they've right. got it all going. Right, but but us as quite Canadians, we're like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> what's this? Okay? We, yeah, we, we had, nobody had, like, the, the first year of the Ontario Renaissance Festival, which was uh, 98 or 99, we had, like, a few hundred people a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Wow. By the final year, yeah. Uh, by the final year, we were doing okay. By the ninth year, we were at about 5,000 people a day. Um, and then a local land developer just brought a dump truck full of money and said, hey, we would <laughs> like this land. And, I mean, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's a business. I mean, yeah, right. it was Absolutely. very sad, but it, it was a business. And the board of directors for the event said, we will take your money, please. Did um, they also get the dump truck? Uh, the, the sort of a sad coda to that is the land has never been developed. It's of course still, not. Uh, it's see, still we, just flat land. All we got was dump trucks taking money out of the festival. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> what we got here in Minnesota. Right. That's that's. Right. Uh, so anyway, so so there was a big Renaissance festival in in Ontario. Uh, again, the Ontario Renaissance Festival, um, and when it shut down that year. Uh, but it left a void, right? Because it had proved that you could have a successful event. And and a handful of people scrambled to fill that void. Um, most notably, an, an awful event, I won't even mention this name, it was just terrible, uh, that, a, that a handful of uh, local people who had participated in the original Ontario Festival and said, how hard could this be? <laughs> we can run a festival. Right? Whoops. Uh, and they, it's awful. I mean, I could easily fill a podcast just with, with horrifying stories of the one year of that event. Uh, they still owe me for, for, you know, five days pay, which of course I'll never see. Um, they just, they didn't pay people and it was just horrible, but, but again, it left this gap. So there are a handful of, uh, one weekend events in Ontario, just one weekend, there's a, there's a Robin Hood festival. There's Medieval right. Festival. The Medieval Festival is a one-day event. Um, huh. But there is a pirate festival uh, called, oddly enough, the Ontario Pirate Festival. Uh, and uh, in my opinion, perhaps the greatest uh, pirate festival. Um, I should also mention I co-own it. So, oh. Uh, <laughs> oh. Mm. Uh, but if you mm. go to thepiratefestival.com, uh, you can see uh, the festival that me and my business partner own together. Um, we obviously didn't run it last year. 2019 was our first year. We did oh, open. No. Oh, yes. guys. Oh, that's yeah. such a bummer. Yes. And then so you've and, had and one amazing year so far. We had one pretty decent year, and <laughs> we are unaware yet whether or not we will be able to open this year. We are hoping we will be able to open this when, year. When is it supposed to run? 
the, so uh, in Ontario, uh, we believe that you are entitled to a three-day holiday every month. Every month in Ontario, there is a three-day weekend. Um, the right. August, like in our team, uh, Ontario, Ontario, more and more right now. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, put a pin in that for a second. Um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, the first weekend in August uh, used to be Simcoe Day after Lord Simcoe, and then it's not anymore. Now it's it's the exciting name of Civic Holiday Weekend. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, so the first weekend in August is Civic Holiday Weekend. It's a three-day weekend, and that is uh, traditionally, traditionally based on our first year in 2019, traditionally when the Pirate Festival runs. Yes, because pirates always take advantage of civic holidays. Right, that's it. That's, that's when all the no one's at work. You can yeah. just you can just right. loot. You loot all the businesses. Our matey, it's, it's a three-day weekend. The banks are all that's closed. Right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> they work with the government. Pirates. Yes. <laughs> One of the things that's very frustrating right now. I I, I hope I'm allowed to ask this because I'm good at. Uh, of the three of you, are any of you vaccinated yet? Uh, I think all three first of us shot. Yeah, first shot. Okay, see, uh, we uh, we look like we're more or less the same age. We can't get our shots in Ontario. Senior citizens, uh, 65 and older, are getting shots. For anybody who is 60, I think it, it might be 60 and older. But if you're mm-hmm. under 60, you may not get your shot until June or July. Man. That's what they had said for us. But uh, I don't know about Tim. I mean, Tim and Nick, I think, uh, qualified uh, under certain qualifications. But, like, I was, I don't have any conditions or anything. And I uh, right. got lucky because they, they had too much vaccine in a rural area. Right. And they were going to throw it away. And so there was this, they put up on this website that was like, I mean, they had, they were still frantically calling people to try to get uh, people to come in to get doses when I left at like 7 p.m. It's like right. It, it's nuts here. Huh? It's everybody I know who is younger than me who has gotten their shot got it by that same system. And yep. it's very frustrating to us up here yes. in Canada that you guys are wasting doses or trying to give them away. And oh, we're like, please, please, we would like. It's this whole rollout. And this is, this is anecdotal, but. Uh, what I'm hearing from a lot of friends that are getting their vaccines this way, uh, in Minnesota at least, is that uh, the reason we're all driving so far to get our vaccines is because the extra doses are all in very rural areas where there might be a little more reluctance to get vaccinated uh, right. because of you know conservative yeah. politics and, and whatever. Yeah. Um, so... Like I, I hate to see it go to waste, but like maybe if they had been distributing it a little bit better with that in mind, it mm-hmm. might be happening differently. But you know, eh. yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. No, I would look at I. I have dual citizenship. I I would drive across the border. I'd happily drive across the border <laughs> to to get my jab. Well, I got good news for you. There's a lots of stuff in northern Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, you're in Ontario, so probably it'd be yeah, Michigan. Not really. You, that it? makes it helpful. Bit of a drive. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so, all right. So this has been fascinating and I would love to keep. Uh, well, let me ask, what Renaissance festivals do you work at uh, in America? Well, last not, year, none of them. Well, yes. Um, usually. <laughs> Usually, let's go with you. Uh, so let's let why don't we why don't we reel back to 2019? Sure. Um, it, so uh, because there are a bunch of little festivals in Ontario, and that's close to home for me, I work a lot of little festivals in Ontario. Uh, 
Um, mm-hmm. In 2019, I worked uh, the Upper Canada Village uh, Medieval Festival. I worked the Fergus Fest. I did the Oxford Renaissance Festival, and I did the Pirate Fest, which are all little one-weekend events in Ontario. Uh, I did the Georgia Renaissance Festival in Georgia, of course, um, and I did the Connecticut Renaissance Festival, where I've been for many, 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 many years. Uh, in the past, I have also worked Oh, gosh. Uh, Scarborough Renaissance Festival, Tennessee mm-hmm. Renaissance Festival, uh, Louisiana Renaissance Festival I did for many, many years. Uh, I've done guest weekends at Maryland. I've done guest weekends at Great Lakes Medieval Fair. Um, probably others that I'm not remembering. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sterling, I did, a, I did a season at Sterling. Um, yeah, a bunch of them. Uh, but I have no, I have no regular, I have no regular circuit at this time. Um, I am... Yeah, I have no regular circuit at this time. That's the best fair, I can tell you. Fair oh, enough. I did I did Michigan for many, 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 many years. Yeah. I am well known in Michigan as well. Hmm, that's not a good thing. But I mean, oh, you know, I am well look. known for good reasons in Michigan. <laughs> oh, well, lucky you. Okay, <laughs> Tim has just got the felony. <laughs> yeah, just, just but it, it's just. I have been advised. Sorry, let me get words to slip. I have been advised by my counsel to not discuss the event. I have no recollection of that senator. Anyway, right. So yes. we actually. <laughs> Uh, brought you on to talk about a couple of things. Um, you yes. are a uh, non-believer atheist, um, yes, and have had some encounters with James Randi. And we thought talk it would be good to talk a little bit about your your atheism journey. We haven't had that conversation yep. uh, with anybody in a long time. And also uh, talk about James Randi because he did pass away in 2020. He so did. it's nice to uh, talk to somebody who uh, has had a personal experience with Mr. Randy. But first, let's talk about you. Not that we haven't been talking about you sure. up to this point. But so have you always been a non-believer? Uh, directly from the womb? Um, I, by the way, I'm going to make a very tiny pedantic point. Um, I will sometimes, when I feel like splitting hairs with other with other non-believers, uh, I will sometimes say agnostic rather than atheist. Sure. And the, the reason I define it, and there are very slippery definitions of agnostic. Uh, and again, you know, if you go to one of the big atheist events, you'll, you'll get non-believer, you'll get atheist, you'll get agnostic, mm-hmm. you'll get spiritual, you'll get mm-hmm. all kinds of flavors of things. Um, but I always say, if you could give me absolutely unarguable, incontroversial evidence of a higher being, I would have to believe it. Uh, sure. So to me... That makes me agnostic rather than atheist. I define atheist as I am certain there is no God. I am as certain as I can possibly be there is no God. But if someone were to hand me a pile of evidence that I couldn't argue with, you'd have to believe it. You'd have to. Yeah. So we've had this conversation yeah. Yeah. between the three of us a lot. It's a it's it's a it's a fine hair to split. Uh, and uh, luckily, I don't think you'll you'll ever have to worry about that evidence showing up. No, yeah, pretty well, good. That's kind of where we landed on it, right? Was like, it's like I'm with you. I agree. I can't be sure. Of course, I can't be sure. Just like a Christian can't be sure, right? Right. But if the but the way I see it is, uh, there's more evidence that there isn't a God, and the the evidence to say that there is a God would have to be so much, especially because you know I have bipolar disorder, so you have to convince me that I'm also not crazy. So there'd be like that double, uh, you know, you got a double burden of proof there. That's going to be so hard to find that life's too short. Might as well just admit it. I don't think there's right. a God. It's, it's yeah. a, but it's definitely a personal. It, it's like using 3.14 for calculations. Yes, right. 
pie is a lot longer <laughs> than that. Yeah. But when you're doing carpentry, 3.14 works just fine. Yeah. We know yeah. we've had a lot of people on the show who feel the same. Like they yeah. just like I just don't feel comfortable saying atheist. I feel more comfortable saying agnostic because of that that like point zero 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 one percent if right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I generally I typically... just say. Oh, I generally just say that I I'm 99 percent certain that there's no God, and I just round up and call myself an atheist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I I will generally say atheist as a as a day to day thing, but if I'm mm -hmm. in a room with other non-believers, then you can get into the nitty gritty. Oh of yeah, it. that's the whole yeah. point. Yeah. Uh, I will make two other points. One, uh, just Molly, because you said you're bipolar, I have to say my favorite bipolar joke, which is a bipolar bear walks into a Klondike bar. <laughs> a, bi a bipolar what? Oh, bear. <laughs> a bipolar bear walks into a Klondike bar. Very um, good, very good. Yeah. <laughs> I am also well known for jokes where you go, what? My oh. favorite bipolar yeah. joke is the year 2007. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> delightful. Um, I, uh, uh, I will also say that. You know, while well, well, the, the four of us seem to agree that, yes, if you were prevented, presented with a pile of evidence, what could, you know, you'd have to agree with it. And yet I have had discussions with uh, religious people where I have said, what could I do to prove to you there is no God? And they will say nothing. There is mm -hmm. absolutely nothing you could do to yep. prove there is no God. And and I, you know, that to me is a problematic statement, especially when I say, yeah, just just show me. Yeah. That yep. there's a God and I'll believe, the receipts. but you won't come over to my side. There's nothing that will bring you over to my side. So right, right off the bat, they're, they're basically admitting that um, there's not the same intellectual honesty in the, in the conversation or in the debate. So it's kind of pointless to have at that yeah, point. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, saves you time. So, so, I mean, thanks for that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Time. Uh, so how did I come to my atheism? Um, so my parents uh, tried to raise me Jewish. My mom only wanted five things for me. She wanted me to, to be Jewish to have a regular normal paying job, uh, to get married, to have kids. Maybe it was four. No okay. beard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but again, none of these, none of those. I, I am, you know, the huge disappointment to my parents. Uh, well, not my dad because he's gone. So but, uh, <laughs> it's okay. Our relationship has never been better. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but my parents tried to raise me Jewish and I just never saw it. Um, and I think, I think part of it is, Frankly, their commitment to the religion was not uh, huge. Um, uh, they, you will often hear the term uh, cafeteria Christian for mm -hmm. uh, Christian people who will go, well, I like this, but I'm not going to mm -hmm. do that one. I've heard from Muslim people, they'll say uh, a la carte, which I <laughs> like as well. Uh, oh. Not my line. That's uh, good. Yes, I don't, I don't have a pithy one for Jews, but my parents were like that. So uh, it just... I never, I never felt it. I never saw it. Uh, you know, I was introduced to Dawkins at a relatively young age, um, like probably, probably in my early teens. Um, it never made sense to me, and mm -hmm. and I never had reason to buy it, and I just never did. Uh, and the the as I as I got older and I learned more about the world there were just less and less evidence that there was any sort of a higher power. And there seemed to be uh, no point in believing it. Yeah. Um, and, and my dad would believe in anything, whatever you got, right? UFOs <laughs> and, and, you know, psychic powers and you name it. My dad was happy to believe in it. Um, and again, uh, you know, as a magician, you learn very quickly that you can simulate a lot of stuff. So, uh, I yeah. How, yeah, I could see how training in magic would, you know, just, just do nothing other than underwrite that feeling of like, well, it can't be real. 
you know, because I know I know behind the scenes for all of the stuff that seems like a miracle, right? Like there's there's always an explanation in magic, right? Yeah. And, yeah, even yeah. though it seems miraculous and it seems impossible, there's a reasonable explanation for how it got done. This is why I'm always astounded when I meet other magicians who believe in, you know, for lack of a better word, the woo. Uh, yeah. it, how can you believe in that when you know how easy it, Well, not me. I'm a magician. I know all the way that people can be fooled. Yeah. Uh, so... But, but look at these crystals. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Was was there a point where you found yourself going, okay, atheist, that's or agnostic, or that that's yeah. the word for what for what I am? I know that I had that experience where I'm like, I don't know what I what I believe other than I don't believe all this bullshit here. And 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 you know, there was a point where it's like, oh yeah, yeah, all right, that's that's the word that fits what I've been thinking for a really long time. Uh, probably once I hit the community, hmm. uh, and probably not, not, not really before that. I just knew I didn't believe. So I was just, just a guy who didn't believe in stuff. You know, uh, I probably organically, maybe around university, I do have a university degree. Uh, I have a engineering degree. Um, and, uh, you know, again, engineers tend to be pretty non-religious, kind of very solid, grounded in, grounded in the world kind of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, so maybe around there, but I don't remember really saying atheist uh, as a label for myself until I started to become part of what I would consider to be the the skeptical community. Um, did you did yeah. you have a pagan phase? Very very important question. Did you have I a did, phase? <laughs> did you uh, have any kind of or like a or a spirit or a or a Wiccan spirituality magic kind of phase? I might have presented myself that way to get laid by yeah. pagan women uh -huh. <laughs> but, uh, I, but I wouldn't works. say uh, I, I probably <laughs> I went through what I considered to be a Buddhist phase uh, mm -hmm. I had I had sort of a, a flirtation with uh, Eastern mysticism um, sure. Toronto yeah. is a very multicultural city there is a very big Asian influence in Toronto and I mean again I was raised Jewish I had Chinese food every Christmas you know mm -hmm. since I was a little kid uh, I studied martial arts for a number of years, so uh, there was certainly a Buddhist phase. Uh, but again, at the end of the day, it's just go forth and be a good human. That's, I don't mm -hmm. think you really need anything more than that. I had to ask because I, I, we found that a lot of people end up having, maybe we'll just call it a mysticism phase, right? Where like sure. a, a phase where you're like, I reject the traditional Abrahamic religions, but let's see if uh, this one feels like it might be right. right. I'll light some candles and say some words that feel, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I, you know, I understand that. I have a, I have a personal theory I call manifestation of hope, which is if, if someone you care about is lying in a hospital bed and the doctors are baffled. You know, what can you what can you do? I'm not a doctor. I'm not a health professional. And it doesn't matter because the doctors don't know what to do either. You feel like you want to do something. It is mm -hmm. an instinct to throw a life preserver to a drowning person. If you if you have someone you care about is sick, you want to do something to help them. Well, you can pray. Yeah. And there's nothing that prevent you from prayer. You so the feeling that you're praying or casting a spell or making putting bargain, it out into the universe, or, right? Know. Exactly. Yeah. Any of that feels like you're actively helping the situation. And I understand the hopelessness because we've all had moments in our lives when we felt absolutely hopeless, and you wish there was something you could do. And there, I, you know, a lot of people say there's a real comfort in religion, and I've heard a lot of atheists say they wish they had the comfort of religion that they could put the burden on, I'll pray and I'll be a good person and God will reward me. 
by solving this problem and and we don't have that <laughs> you know? uh, and that's uh, that's really tough sometimes mm -hmm. I've seen that said about uh, faith in general about um, you know the the unknown what waits for us after death right and they, they've said that kind of a religion as there's a quote I think uh, religion is a result of uh, humanity's acknowledging that they are alive and one day they won't be and it's sure. like it, that you're helpless against that yeah. you're gonna die there's nothing you can do to prevent yourself from dying someday so how do you deal with that thing you have no control over right that you're not dead yet right yeah, yeah. yeah. yep yeah 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 this is what i say i i used to do uh, a skeptical magic show uh <laughs> And one of the things I did, so uh, the the Roma hucksters who would do fortune telling and all sorts of stuff like that, uh, one of the cons, I mean, one of the classic cons is uh, your money is possessed by demons. Give me your money overnight and I will say the magic spells and then it'll all go away. And by all go away, I mean, I will take your money. And yeah, yeah, we will uh, all go away. <laughs> so one of the, one of the classic... Uh, uh, sort of cons in that way was uh, uh, so uh, Nick this is what you're going to do is I can see I can read your aura and you are possessed by a demon but oh, demons no. love eggs because who doesn't love eggs right. so I want you to go home get an egg your egg out of your own fridge put it on the nightstand next to you and during the night the demon will go over to the egg bring the egg to me the next morning and I will cast the demon out of it uh, and so you do that, you take an egg, leave the night saying, bring it to me the next day. And then in front of you, I crack the egg, I say my spell, mm -hmm. and then I crack the egg in front of you, and inside the egg is disgusting. It's it's horrible colors, maybe it has bits of, of hair or dirt or something mm -hmm. like that in it. Um, and and the way you do it is uh, you, you poke a hole just in one end of the egg and put a little food coloring in there, force a little hair in there, and you put a little wax over it. And then you bring in your egg, and I switch it for my egg. Ah. All right, which is as a magician is trivial to do, but as a as a fortune teller, you're not expecting it because you trust the fortune teller. Because why else would you be there? And that moment of seeing your egg that you brought from home crack open and be disgusting inside—that's the deal sealer right there. So I used to do a trick where I'd have a wooden egg and I'd throw it out to someone in the audience and I'd say, "Just put your initial on it. Just put an N for Nick on it, and and bring it up here." And they'd bring it up, and I'd tell the whole story. And at the end, I'd crack open the egg, the, the wooden egg that they had mm -hmm. put there. I'd crack it. It would, it would have transformed into a real egg ah. with their letter on it. And, the egg, and I would have prepped the egg and made it disgusting inside. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, but it's a, it's a heck of a moment because I would tell the person, I'd say, you know, Nick, we all have problems. You don't have to tell me your problem, but I'm sure there's something in your life you'd like to fix. If you can, take a, take a second <laughs> That's trouble, mister. Take a second <laughs> and believe that, believe for a minute that I can actually fix this problem. And I had people say to me after the show, because I, I would perform this at skeptical events. I had people say after the show, man, there's that moment. There's that moment of surprise where you're just so off guard that you somehow swapped out the wooden egg with my initial on it for a real egg with my initial on it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and, that, so. that's, and that's how faith healers 
can yes. can get people who like maybe don't believe in that stuff. They're Christians, they're good Christians, but they don't believe in all that hooey. They don't right. believe in faith healing. They don't believe in that. But then they go and you're in that tent and it's hot and the people are all there and the the, the crowd's getting whipped up. Absolutely. We're all, we're all getting drummed up together and then the, the healer and he does something and the person's like, hallelujah. And inside you're just like, it's our nature to want to rise together. Yep. And like, that's the thing that I love about magic shows, performing in general, but I, I fucking love magic. I fucking love it. I think it's like the coolest goddamn thing. And I never want to know how things are done. I just love it. Sure. And like, <laughs> ah, it's just so good. Drive to Ontario, the Ontario Pirate Festival. I will be performing at the <laughs> as soon as we're allowed to cross the border yeah. because they don't right. want Americans anywhere and we don't blame them. Uh, well, I mean, frankly, there are some Canadians who think this is just we should just seal the border for good. Mm -hmm. This is where the wall should have been built. God, You're I'm not American, wrong. and I think can't, you guys should. You're not wrong. It's a good plan. Uh, the, the egg trick kind of uh, reminds me of uh, psychic surgeons, another oh, yeah. kind of mm -hmm. exploiting people where mm -hmm. with a little sleight of hand, they pull, a, they pull a, a chicken liver out of you, yep. you know, and, and say it was a tumor or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Andy Kaufman. Yep. Not a yep. dumb person. No. And, and it, somebody but, who conned people himself. Yeah. Right. But was wanted desperate. to believe, desperate. needed to believe yeah. because he was saying, and this is the thing is you're at the end of your rope. You have no other choice. And, and the other thing too, is maybe you're not even at the end of your rope. I mean, maybe you're just an average citizen and it's like the doctor says, Hey, you have a small tumor. You can go through surgery, which is going to be awful, and then a year of chemo after that, which is going to be mm -hmm. awful, plus the bill is going to be really high, or you can pay this guy 500 bucks, he does it once, and you're finished, mm -hmm. right? Hmm, which you're going to, well, you, you do that. And, and one of the real tragedies is you choose the faith healer, and you're now three months behind oh, yeah. where you yeah. could have been had yeah. you started right, right away. Right. Yep. So. Okay, so uh, I want to get to the Randy story, but I feel like yes. before we get there, you, you, the way, the way you, <laughs> I well, want to get to it, but I, but. <laughs> you know, but but I feel like to lead into that, you talked about the way you really kind of figured out you were an atheist was getting into the the movement, and right. uh, I, I'm I'm kind of in, in the community, and I'm kind of interested to know how you found the community or how the community found you. Uh, I found the community, and and my gateway was absolutely through magic. Uh, because uh, Penn and Teller were outspoken magicians. Probably Randy, um, you know, Randy's book, The Truth About Yuri Geller, uh, because uh, my dad, who believed in everything, thought Yuri Geller was a, you know, was the real deal and was, uh -huh. was fantastic. Uh, and Randy saying, no, just if he's bending the spoons with his mind, he's doing it the hard way. Now, I can do it. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, Randy would say That's that all the time. Line. It's a good line. Yeah, it's a great line. Uh, and it's the truth. It's the truth. Why do you have to do it that way when I can do it this way? And that's, you know, it's almost the basis of Occam's razor. I can simulate reading your mind. This person says they can read your mind for real. They both present the exact same, you know, video, mm -hmm. which is more likely, which is more likely. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so I would say Randy and again, Penn and Teller, all of them being outspoken atheists and outspoken anti-psychic. I was probably anti-psychic before I was I was really would label myself as an atheist. But, you know, that's how that all came in. And then uh, I have a bit of a hearing issue, so I don't really listen to a lot of music, but I listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, and I listen to The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe, which I'm sure you're familiar with, mm -hmm. uh, from almost the very beginning. 
Uh, and again, it's you know, a hardcore skeptical podcast. So all of that. And uh, that gets me to TAM uh, and it gets me to Nexus. And, and there I am. I'm part of the community. All right. I'm just going to say Tam, the amazing meeting, which is something right. that was created by the amazing Randy and the amazing Randy. Yes. Again, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast passed away last year, but you like spent a fair amount of time with the, the amazing Randy. Uh, uh, I spent a fair back. amount of time with him in one incident. In, yeah, um, a few years back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so first of all, I will also uh, just to, to wave my flag because being Canadian is, is not just a nationality. It is also an identity complex. Uh, James Randi was born in Canada, born in Toronto. Uh, so proud Canadian himself. Thank Minnesota's you. Minnesota's uh, the same way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, and yeah. And he, of course, started the James Randi Educational Foundation, uh, which is, still exists. Uh, I believe right now Banachek runs the foundation. Um, uh, Banachek, who's, of course, the world's greatest mentalist by his own, by his own tagline. Um, so, yeah, the, the first amazing meeting was, as Randy will tell it, was just like a dozen guys at Randy's place in Florida. Uh, and I think <laughs> he, the final call year. the amazing meeting? They called it the amazing reading because it was James the amazing reading. It's amazing. Yeah. I love it. Just like, okay, guys, this meeting is amazing. Like this <laughs> is <yeah>, like. <laughs> uh, and then I think in the final year it had almost fifteen hundred people. Um, and one of the nice things about the amazing meeting is uh, this is an experience I have, and I'm, I'm sure uh, all three of you have it as well. Uh, as you make your way through the world, uh, you find that sometimes you have to guard your language. When, when someone says this will happen, God willing, or God help me, or any of those. And I mean, again, often when we say these phrases, it's just, it's a throwaway phrase. It's mm -hmm. just when we say, God damn it, we don't really mean that. It's just our language pattern. But there's always a moment where you want to go, really? Which God? I hope it's Thor, you know. <laughs> uh, and, or, or people just might say, uh, gosh, I feel like I have a cold coming on. I better check with my homeopath. And again, oh. we're, you're at that moment where you're going to go, do I just let this go? Exactly. This is, you know, this is a person I met a at a party. Like right. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Literally today, I had a friend post something about, oh, hey, turns out uh, they're going to do classes at uh, Minneapolis Community College. And this year, I'm going to be offering a tarot card reading class. Right. And, right. you know, I'm just like, not going to say anything. Okay. Right. You have to decide whether or not you're going to yeah. engage and how messy you want to make that and so on and so forth. Uh, whereas one of the things that was so wonderful about the amazing meeting and any skeptical conference, I mean, there are still Nexus is still running. They did virtual in 2020 and they're going to be virtual in 2021. But uh, the PsyCon in Vegas, uh, I believe, which is in October, uh, I believe will be in person this year. Um, well, it's in Vegas, the, so... Yeah, um, but uh, the point is, anybody you meet, you don't have to. You don't have to check yourself, right? Uh. Because even even if they're even if they believe in say luck, which a lot of skeptics believe in luck, and they'll they'll find their way to define it, um, they're willing to have that discussion. Nobody is at that meeting who doesn't want to engage and talk and 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 discuss and argue and all good naturedly. Right? right, because right. the you know the, uh, I feel like the skeptical mind, the skeptical community, community, <clears throat> we just want answers, and and you get 
you exchange in the marketplace of ideas and that's how you get closer to the truth so you it's how you strengthen your own thinking it's how you uh, uh, probe at and test your own thinking uh, all of those things so that's what I really love about those events that no idea is above criticism and no one's going to get personally offended if they say, oh, don't worry, I'll just go see my chiropractor when I get back. And you go, you know, that's a bunch of bullshit, right? Right. Like you can right. actually, they don't just go, ah, and they're like, my, my personality, you're personally attacking me. Instead, you can right. actually talk about it. Yeah. And, yeah. and part of the reason that no idea is above criticism is because none of the ideas are really stupid. Because there are ideas that are good or well below criticism that deserve to be criticized, but not at those meetings. So. Fair enough. So, yeah, was it at one of those meetings that you uh, got to, I believe you chauffeured Randy, is that? Yeah, so that what happened was, was uh, so uh, Randy at that time, so the director of the Randy Educational Foundation at that time was a fellow named DJ Grothy, who, if you listen to the old Point of Inquiry podcast from the Center for Inquiry, uh, about 15 years ago, he was doing those podcasts. So at the time, DJ was the director for uh, the James Randi Educational Foundation. And I met him at a couple of TAMs. And I also met him at, ah, at another event out in BC, Canada, that I can't remember the name of. And I'm a bad person for not remembering it because I, I literally performed my Skeptical Magic show at that event. Um, but anyway, uh, so... In around 2014, uh, Randy's biography, An Honest Liar, uh, was being premiered at uh, the Toronto International Film Festival. And uh, I was literally biking down the street, and my phone rang, and it was DJ. He saw me. He was in the car with Randy. <laughs> he saw me and recognized me. We had exchanged <laughs> numbers at the time. And he, he just said, hey, man. Uh, I, I, we're here in town, and of course I knew he was in town because I had had tickets to the to the premiere. Uh, and and he said, "Do you want to do you want to hang out?" And I said, "Of course." And he said, "Randy grew up in Toronto and hasn't been here for a while. How would you like to just chauffeur him around?" And I'm like, uh, huh. nah. <laughs> "No, wait, yes, enthusiastically, yes." So uh, for about the three days that he was in Toronto, uh, I went over to the hotel, which was very conveniently not too far from where I was living at the time, and. Uh, I picked him and DJ up and uh, drove Randy around. We we he got to he got to play tourist again. Uh, we went to the Rom and we drove past Casaloma. Um, one of the one of the most fun moments was uh, Randy asked to go to the local magic shop, uh, and you know as a magician I frequent the magic shop, and so I I called the owner and I went hey I just I know you're normally open today I just want to make extra sure you're open today because I'm coming by with the, with a special friend. He said yeah we're open. I'm like great. So, uh, and this is the thing you don't really know about Randy uh, unless you meet him. He was like five foot nothing. Yeah, uh, I've seen you know, pictures. Uh, yeah, <laughs> him standing uh, next to Pendulette like is no. pretty comical. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um. yeah. Uh, so, I walk in the door of the magic shop, and the owner Jeff looks at me and says, "I thought you were bringing someone with you." And I literally <laughs> just step aside, and Randy's standing there. And, yeah, and his jaw drops. And uh, it was during the summer, so there was uh, just you know the regular gathering of, of, of uh, magic nerd teenagers in the shop, and they all go crazy. And Randy gets to go in and hold court with, oh, with this wonderful great. group of enthusiastic young magicians, 
and a couple of the parents are there because they've driven their kids to the to the shop and they're they're looking at what's going on and they're looking at me going who is this guy <laughs> and i point to the 8 foot poster behind the cash register and i say that guy that's who the guy is that's so great so, yeah that's so great it makes uh, me happy to know he knows now Right? Like, oh, yeah. one way or another, he knows. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Randy's just a story machine. Uh, he was just wonderful. He told stories about uh, a card trick he did with uh, one of the astronauts who was up one of the shuttles at the time. Mm. Um, he uh, he talked about visiting NASA. He talked about years of performing. Uh, and then at one point, we had a little downtime. And he said to me, he said, well, do a trick for me. And I said, No. Why? Why on earth? Why? <laughs> you, you have literally broken bread with some of the greatest magicians in yeah. the world. Why on earth would I be? Come on, do a trick. So I, I did a couple of tricks for him, and he made very insightful comments on my technique. Uh, uh, and just, just a very kind. That's great. Generous man uh, with instruction. It is, it is one of the great. Uh, you know, handful of days of my life. That's so cool. He just seems so like genuine and enthusiastic about life. And you know, everyone just who's everyone we've ever talked to. Because we actually did an episode about the amazing meeting a long ago. Uh, who yeah. was was that? Josh. Mm -hmm. Josh. That was Josh. Yeah. That was his first episode. <laughs> so we, one of our friends, went to the amazing meeting and came back to report on how it was and just everything he ever he said that he you know from afar that Randy was just just a delight, just absolutely yep. such a nice man, a genuinely kind man yeah. who really yeah. took the time for people uh, and didn't didn't put on any kind of airs, even though he had every right to. And that's something that to me, I think really speaks volumes about a person's character is when you've made it. And it would be so easy to be like, don't you know who the fuck I am? You know, this is my whole thing. You know, I don't have time for you. But he always, by, by all accounts, made time, you know, and that's just he, so nice. One of the wonderful things about the media, I don't, again, if you, if anyone out there has an opportunity to go to any of these events and they consider themselves part of the skeptical community, the people who show up know that they're there to chat with people. Uh, you know, I got to speak to Banachek for a while. I've spoken to the SGU guys on numerous events. In fact, uh, on more than one occasion, I've been able to invite, because the, the SGU guys are in the New England area, uh, mm -hmm. and because I perform at the Connecticut Renaissance Festival, I've been able to get them out to the Connecticut Renaissance Festival more than once. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so you can go to these events, and you can, I mean, again, you can't monopolize them, but you get a chance to, to talk with these people and meet them. And uh, that's just wonderful. You know, I look at, I am a very, in my community, I am a very small star, but I am incredibly cognizant of the fact that without an audience, there is no Zoltan, right? If I don't have an audience, who am I? I'm, I'm a guy in my parents' basement performing card tricks for my Star Wars action figures. So, which is what you have, uh, and the they last know it too. Year, so, you know exactly what that's <laughs> right. <laughs> Precisely doing that. Right. But I mean, you guys too, right? You guys run a podcast. But if no one's listening to your podcast, who are you? You're three people talking to yourselves. Yeah. Right. Uh, we've, we've done improv shows for one person. It's yeah, not right. great. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to uh, do that again. Right. Uh, but it beats so, not doing it. Let's just say, that's you know. True. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Uh, so, 
I absolutely you know encourage people to go to these events, meet other other skeptically minded people, meet other atheists because you get to talk freely. You don't have to hide. Uh, you know there can be there sometimes just depending on the community, depending on the area, a certain shame to being an atheist. Uh, yeah, we, a, a lot certain of people shame are, to being a non-believer, especially you know, in America. Close-minded. Yeah, I think uh, you know no. there's a, there's a need to be guard. You you are always on your guard. I mean, I'm I'm open about it on social media and stuff. I'm never like uh, I, I'm never going to pretend I'm not an atheist. But I'm also careful about how I talk about religion. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, in in that I have lots of friends who are religious, and I don't want to rake them over the coals for being religious. So, you know, my language is more guarded. Yeah. Yeah. Andy, are there, would you say in your experience that there's more hesitancy toward uh, atheism and agnosticism in in the more rural areas of Canada as opposed to the cities like there is in America? Or is it, is it a little less, a little more chill there about the the Christianity stuff? (laughs) Uh, I, I love the city. Love the city. I do not spend time in the rural areas. I remember... Uh, some years ago, I was uh, dating an Asian woman, and we decided to do uh, a drive across Canada. And we ended up in a small town around lunchtime, and we walked into a diner, we sat down, and I just could not get a waitress's attention, couldn't get a service attention for a menu. And my girlfriend said to me, she said, it's me. Uh, and I, you know, I grew up in the city all my life, and I said, no, come on. Right. And and she said, look around. <laughs> She's the, I'm the only person in this diner who isn't white. Mm-hmm. You get to know the feeling. And I, yeah. you know, I trusted her. I believed her. But the, the truth of the matter is I'm a city guy. And, and Toronto, uh, Toronto is very multicultural. Every stripe, every flavor. We absolutely, you know, there's, a, there's one spot in Toronto where you can see uh, a church, uh, a mosque, a uh, synagogue, and a Buddhist temple, like, within a couple of blocks of each other. Um, so, uh, you know, there are, there are neon signs for fortune tellers. Uh, there are absolutely homeopathic practitioners and, yeah. and everything else. Um, uh, yeah, I know. It's very upsetting. I find it yeah. upsetting as well. I but, find it but like the 1% other... upsetting in a solution of water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you just keep diluting uh, but, it, it'll get more yeah, and more upsetting. Yeah. Right. It, won't it becomes be a problem more palatable the less you think yeah. about it. <laughs> right. Or it becomes, you know, more... Um, so anyway, I to, to answer your question, I, I don't know. I only spend time in the uh, in the urban areas, uh, and I find that in the city, you have to be accepting of really just about everything because you can't live in a city if you're not. I mean, look mm-hmm. at we have closed-minded people here. There are racist events here as well. Uh, we have there have been anti-mask rallies just to be just to be topical. Um, and it's upsetting and it's annoying. We have anti-vax people as well. It's yeah. very frustrating. Um, I don't know if that answered the question, but it, no, it does. It does. It's just, yeah. I think, I think the thing is, uh, they're a lot more vocal here. Like, I feel like <laughs> even if you are city born and raised, you know about rural America because it's always what's being catered to on TV, politicians, right. you hear about rural America and rural Americans a and lot. We just don't and understand just, them. Right. And I guess I wondered if there was like that same kind of like getting beaten over the head with like what the other cultures and what the other people who don't live in cities are caring about as much in Canada. But it seems like it's uh, my from what I have experienced of Canada, it seems like it's a lot more uh, localized in the sense of like you're more affected by your province, by your by your town, by your city than maybe you are by the national. Uh, uh, I think that's probably true. Uh, I feel 
I feel bad saying it, but it's true. Uh, one of the things that unites Canada as a country is our dislike of Americans. Good. We maybe, we maybe don't good. know. We deserve right. it. <laughs> we're, not, we're not exactly sure who we are, but we know we're not you. Yeah. Definitely <laughs> better than America. One of the we, things. Yeah. we accept that. Um, you know, it's it, it, it's reaching a point where I need to transition to our five questions. Uh, sure. So uh, I, we gave them to you ahead of time. You said you thought you about did. them. So uh, that's good. That's good. Thinking about them is fantastic. Uh, Molly, you want to start us off? Yes. Question one. What Your is mom. The, Sorry. What, is, <laughs> what conspiracy theory? What conspiracy theory do you find the most interesting or compelling? Doesn't have uh, to mean you believe it, but you think it's right. the, the weirdest one or the goodest one. Uh, I did think about this. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard about the lizard people one, though I've never met anybody who actually believes in it. Uh, flat earthers are perplexing. Um, of course, you know, recently we have uh, uh, Jewish space lasers. Uh, but the the one conspiracy I think that is that is pervasive and bothers me the most is Christianity. Oh, yeah. uh, I will absolutely <laughs> call that a conspiracy theory. Uh, I believe it. To however you're going to find conspiracy theory, I believe it meets all the rules for it. Um, uh, that is the one I find fascinating. Yeah. Uh, because I've met some absolutely no fooling around, true, true, true believers. Um, like, like there is no evolution. God created man in the earth in six days, and and all of that. And that is fascinating to me. Yeah, uh, right. that that right. would be that would be my most fascinating conspiracy theory is is Christianity and religion in general, but you know specifically the God created the earth in six days and there's and and the Bible is the absolute truth. There is if it's in the Bible, it is the absolute truth. Yeah, uh, cool. that's my answer to that one. Okay, nice. yeah, Nick. Question two. Question two is, uh, what is your perfect two-week vacation? And uh, so money is no object, but you still have to obey the laws of physics. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought about this one, and frankly, right now, it's situational. I just miss my friends. I miss mm -hmm. my friends so much. So if I had a, a, an, a, a basically infinite amount of money, uh, I would hire a plane, and I would fly around around Canada and the U.S. and pick up my friends and, and you know, go to countries where I can purchase vaccinations outright. And then I would fly around for two weeks and enjoy the company of my friends. I would go to, uh, you know, the Isle of Skye, one of apparently the most beautiful places on Earth. And I'd go to Stonehenge and I would uh, share experiences Oh, we froze up. Nope, just yep. for a second. Okay. I would share experiences with my friends. I would, you know, rent Disneyland for a day, the yeah. entire park, and just for me and my friends. Uh, but I'm that's what I would do. I don't want to be by myself for the perfect vacation. I don't have uh, a certain someone where I just write on. Mm -hmm. Again, ask me in a year, and I may feel differently. Yeah, but I just miss my friends. So that's, that's what I want to do. I want to have. Answer just about 15 of my closest friends fly them on my private jet and go to all the cool places in the world. Nice. That's a good that's thing to do with that unlimited that money. That's, that's, that's a great, great plan. Okay, uh, question yes. number three. Unlimited they... money. Yes. Yeah. A better person would have said, I would take my unlimited money and cure cancer with my vacation. No, that's not a vacation. That's not that's who I am. You couldn't do that in two weeks. That's not a vacation. All right, come I on. definitely couldn't right. do that. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, question number three, what is a movie or a book that changed your life and how or why? 
Um, I thought about this a lot. I don't think there has been any single pivotal moment where my life has really just, wow, just taken me right down a different path. But I will certainly say uh, that becoming a magician has identified who I am. Uh, I, I don't like that sometimes because I feel like uh, we can spend too much time being our job. Now, uh, sometimes you meet a person, one of the first questions will be, wow, what do you do? Uh, as if that's the most important mm-hmm. thing about a person. And I mm-hmm. I try not to make that one of the first questions when I'm trying to get to know someone. But socially, it seems to be uh, a first question to ask. Um, it's generally an easy question to ask, so I think that's why we talk about it a lot. Um, but I see a lot of my world through what I've learned being a magician. And it, it means that I know that I can be fooled. I know that just about anyone can be fooled. Um, I, when I get a pe- when I, when a, you know, a fact drops in my lap that seems perplexing or untrue, uh, it modifies how I look at that fact. Um, I have, you know, I've had moments in my life where I've been in sticky situations and I have used my magic skills, uh, to, to make my way out of the sticky situation. Um, and, but and also, and I mean, that is, sometimes I've been deceptive uh, with people knowing I'm a magician, and it's helpful. But also, just about anybody likes a little magic trick. Uh, if I'm if I'm in a situation where it's awkward or uncomfortable, I can do a 30-second trick with a coin or a, a handful of cards, and everybody's happier. Nobody, everybody has that moment of delight uh, when, they, when they see a little trick. Um, Tom Mullica, who passed a couple of years ago, uh, used to glue a tiny little clown nose to his passport photo and to his driver's license photo. And he always kept a clown nose in his pocket. And if he got pulled over by an officer, he'd hand his driver's license uh, to the officer face down. And as the officer was flipping the license over, he'd slip on the clown nose. And the officer <laughs> would look at the photo with the clown nose on it and then look at Tom Mullica, who had the clown nose in real life. And that moment would just click, <laughs> right? Nice. And he would do the same thing with his passport when he flew. And he said he used to get upgrades. Uh, he used to get out of tickets. But it's just you've given someone a moment of delight. How can yeah. you how can you be upset at someone who does this? Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, I can't remember which magic book I picked up, which was the first one. Uh, Bill Tars, Now You See It, Now You Don't, is an excellent first book. Um, but uh, certainly uh, uh, Randy's The Truth About Yuri Geller uh, yeah. was a very important book. But just making my way into magic is is the thing that has affected my life most greatly. So that's the best answer I can give you to that question. All right. Question four. I also like the movie Hudson Hawk. Okay. Hudson Hawk is a great movie. Hudson Hawk is a great movie. That movie is amazing. I will die on this hill. All right. Okay. Yes. Awesome. All right. Question four. What's the yes. geekiest thing that you've ever done or said? Um, again, I thought about this for a while. And, um, you know, I, 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 asked, I asked some people in my life uh, – if they could remember me doing anything particularly geeky. Uh, recently, I was uh, tutoring a friend in uh, probability mathematics. Uh, she's taking a college course in probability. And uh, I just assumed she knew what 20-sided dice were. Oh. Uh, and, and my, uh, you know, some of very special in my life remarked me today. She said, you just assume people know what 20-sided dice are. <laughs> that is perhaps the most geeky thing about you, that you just, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. 
like yeah, it. I, I like so it. So that that may be that may be the the geekiest thing about me is that I just assume other people are extremely geeky as well. Uh, how many animals do you have? Just two. <laughs> two. <laughs> just two. That dog. There you go. That dog not that dog not fat. He's just a little husky. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Question five. Question five. Our finisher here. What is your favorite hangover cure? Not drinking. Yeah, it's a popular answer. That's <laughs> Tim's favorite uh, answer. Yeah, I. Uh, I Used to drink a lot, and Renaissance Festival certainly promote drinking to a oh, to a yeah. certain event, uh, to a certain degree. Um, I just, I just kind, of, I, I won't say I stopped, uh, and certainly during the pandemic, I've been drinking a little more than uh, than I used to. But in a non-pandemic year, you know, I might have a beer or two a week, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's summer, that might go up to three. Yeah. It is yeah. unusual for me to have two drinks in a single evening. Um, I just I just don't tend to drink a lot. Um, That's a good way to do it. You now, uh, now when I used to drink a lot, I had a belief that pure spirits did not give you a hangover. So oh. if I was just going to limit myself to tequila all night, or I'd limit myself <laughs> to sake all night, uh, it, it, I had formed the belief uh, with with you know my own confirmation bias that if you stick to pure spirits. Uh, you will not get hungover. And I, so when I was in the university, I would drink a lot. It was not unusual for me to knock off, uh, you know, an entire good sized bottle of sake by myself. And then I take a couple aspirin before I go to bed and drink a lot of water before I go to bed. And generally the next morning, I was doing okay. Uh, but now at the point in my life, I don't drink a lot. I don't tend to get hungover. Uh, I like that. That, that uh, works. Uh, age, like age was the, uh, the, the the thing that made you more of a skeptic, I'm guessing, about the, uh, the, the, the spirits don't get me hungover thing. I, <laughs> I, I will be flat out honest with you. I still kind of believe that. And, <laughs> and I don't, I don't, I'm not going to say it's a universal rule, but I will say for me, I pretty much believe that if you said, Andy, I'm going to need you to consume a lot of alcohol tonight for whatever reason, and you can choose what the alcohol is, but you're going to have to consume a lot of it, I would go, okay, and I'd knock off a bottle of sake, and right. I don't think I would be hungover in the morning. And I'm going right. to call that a, my own personal belief. Uh, you know, I, I cross the border a lot when I perform at Renaissance Festivals, and I have a Zoltan t-shirt with my face on it. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, well, it would be weird to have a Zoltan t-shirt with, say, your face say, on it. I was going to say, it'd be weird <laughs> yeah. to have someone else's face. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I just got in the habit of doing that. Um, and it, it is, you know, luck or maybe I'm more comfortable and relaxed at the border when I go past the border official. And because I'm not nervous and twitchy, the border official doesn't think I have anything to hide and doesn't pull me over. Uh, so, you know, is it, is it possible I am soothed? By my by my little security t-shirt that I wear mm-hmm. when I cross the border, or is it possible it actually has a little luck? Um, Richard Wiseman uh, wrote uh, a great uh, book on luck um, that I quite like, uh, with a number of experiments uh, about luck that I also like. Mm-hmm. Um, and his conclusion was, again, just to paraphrase, um, you know, uh, lucky people just tend to. St- are aware of opportunities and ready to exploit them, right? Uh, and if you get an opportunity and you're not aware of it, 
you don't know that you ever had that opportunity. But if you get that opportunity and you seize it, you might in retrospect say, wow, that was lucky that that came up. Right. But but yeah. Wiseman conclusion was sort of opportunities come up all the time. It's not unique that opportunities come up. It's not it's not really rare. You have to recognize them and capitalize them. And then when you do that, you tend to call yourself lucky. Uh, I like it. So I like that. Yeah. I don't know. But you know, I'm not I am certainly not immune to having my own little my own little personal beliefs, my own little good luck charm. It's the human condition. Uh, and I know they will not hmm? It's the yeah, human I know condition. they will not stand up to uh, to cold scrutiny, yeah. but you know they make me happy and they're not dangerous. So. Exactly, right. exactly, and they don't hurt anybody yeah, else. Yeah. Unlike Christianity. <laughs> okay. Um, well, uh, thank you so much, Andy. The Zoltan, yeah, the adequate. Uh, hopefully, we can guide people to Renaissance festivals where they can see you at some point in the next, let's say, twelve months. Who the hell knows, right? <laughs> sure. Crazy sure. I'll point you to uh, the. The easiest way to find me is on Facebook. You can look up Zoltan, Z-O-L, Z because I'm Canadian, Z-O-L-T-A-N, Zoltan the Adequate. Uh, find me on Facebook. Drop by, say hello. I'm pretty chatty. I mean, we're all at home right now with nothing to do. If you yeah. send me a message, chances are I will write you back. <laughs> awesome. Um, and thank you guys for having me. This has been a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah, well, we really appreciate it. Uh, We've been Geeks Without God. If you enjoy our podcast, of course, you can do crazy things like follow us on Patreon. You can uh, support us for a couple of dollars a month. You can get these episodes early. You can watch videos of uh, Zoltan Andy drinking Kool-Aid. I'm wearing a hat. And he's wearing he wore a hat. (laughs) For our Patreon supporters especially. Uh, If you're not supporting us on Patreon, of course, follow us on Facebook and like us on Twitter or however the hell all that social media shit works. And uh, we will see you next week. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. Bye! Bye! You know, if I ever met Teller, I'd probably be so nervous we'd just both stand around and not talk to each other. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We don't recognize moral authority. We don't accept divine superiority. We're Geeks, Geeks Without God. Until next time, you can find us blogging at geekswithoutgod.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Geeks Without God. And you can even like us on Facebook. We're Geeks, we're Geeks, we're Geeks Without God. We're Geeks, we're Geeks, we're Geeks Without God. We're Geeks, Geeks Without God. All right, because it's driving me crazy. Is that a Bo Biden for state Senate poster behind you? Or what is that?